It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Uh, welcome to the Rico Bronya. We got the news we feared. We got the news that we dreaded. No matter how well Brett Beatty looked in spring training, no matter how well Mark Vientos looked in spring training, no matter how crappy Darren Ruff looked in spring training, this may have been the inevitable outcome from the beginning. Vientos to AAA, Beatty to AAA. Now, let's get a few things out of the way here on this very, uh, I would say, special edition of Rico Bronia. More like an instant reaction emergency edition of Rico Bronia. This does not mean Darren Ruff is 100% on the team, okay? So before I take my slings and my arrows and take my L, I said Ruff wouldn't be on the team. Look, opening day is on Thursday. These announcements occurred on Saturday. To me, there are two avenues. I'm holding up two fingers right now. Two avenues where Darren Ruff is not on the team. Actually, three avenues. I just thought of a third. And all of these avenues could happen in the next four or five days. Okay? But before we get to those avenues, let's discuss Billy Epler. Billy Epler has been the general manager here for one year. And he really hasn't done that much. Now, he signed Max Scherzer, but really Steve Cohen signed Max Scherzer. They signed Justin Verlander, but again, Steve Cohen really signed Justin Verlander. Uh, Kodai Senga, we'll see. I liked it, but we'll see. He did uh, obviously bring in David Robertson and Adam Adovino last year. So there are you know a bunch of moves we can look at. But his trade deadline sucked. I think we know that. Daniel Vogelback was okay. Darren Ruff was a disaster. And so Billy Epler is still at that point in MetGM history where we're still getting to know him. There are moves. There are some good ones. There are some bad ones. But he hasn't done anything yet that's defining, if that's fair to say. We haven't seen a lot of drafts. We haven't seen a farm system built up. Again, only one trade deadline. The trade deadline didn't go all that well. So the Billy Epler resume after one year, a little over a year, it's still sort of blank. But the comments he made today or on Saturday about Brett Beatty needing more time at AAA because, well, Nolan Arenado played this amount of games at AAA because Rafael Devers played this amount of games at AAA is such crap. It was such a lazy, dull, like, I really can't think of any other good reason for Beatty not to be here. So let me bring this stuff up. Because for every example of Nolan Arenado and Rafael Devers, you can come up with tons more of guys who come up when they're clearly ready, play, and become really good. Pete Alonzo seems to be an example of that. I hate to put over Brody Van Wagenen, but when Pete Alonzo had a big spring training, he made the decision very easy. Now, it's a little bit different in this regard. Beatty was trying to unseat a guy at third base that really was difficult to unseat, okay? There's a difference in my eyes between Beatty and Vientos in terms of Beatty versus Escobar, Vientos versus Ruff. Obviously, we had discussed at nauseum the ways that Beatty could be on this team where it would affect Aaron Ruff and not as much Eduardo Escobar, where basically Beatty plays every day at third base. Escobar becomes the right-handed designated hitter. I'm not sure how much they thought of that. I think to them it was Eduardo Escobar as the third baseman. 
And I understand that a lot more than Darren Ruff being the DH. Because here's the truth about Eduardo Escobar. While he didn't have a good spring training, to me, he's a veteran enough where I'm not going to get nuts about his performance in spring training. He also played so well in the second half of last year, specifically September, that I put more stock in that than a bad March. And that's consistent about what I've said about Darren Ruff, that it wasn't just a bad spring training to me that was burying Darren Ruff. It was a continuation of those last two months, plus a bad spring training that was burying Darren Ruff. So if you look at Beatty in the prism of Beatty was trying to unseat Eduardo Escobar and not the ideas we had laid out about him kind of being the third baseman, DHing, Escobar, the right-handed DH, it makes more sense that Beatty's going to AAA. And you don't even have to use the amount of games that he's played at AAA or the, the checkpoints of things he needs to accomplish. The truth is he wasn't on this team, not because of himself, but because they had a guy at third base in Escobar that they trust more. He's got another year on his deal. His year last year is weird to define because he was horrible for the first half of the year. But I think we all have to be fair that the way he played in September was big. I mean, it was it was huge. Obviously, it didn't end up meaning winning the division based on what happened in that weekend in Atlanta. But remember that game prior to going to Atlanta, that game against the Marlins, the game where Escobar was getting every big hit, and somehow the Mets won that game miraculously, and our thoughts on winning the division felt differently. So in terms of Beatty, I don't want to hear this crap about the amount of games other third basemen have played at AAA and the checkpoints that Beatty needs to hit. That stuff I don't buy. What I buy is, hey, Eduardo Escobar is our third baseman. All right? Do you agree, by the way, just to keep this specific, and we'll get to everything else, do you agree with that standpoint of Brett Beatty and his battle for third base, Pete? Yes, but I could have told you. I, I, I There's still always that option of Escobar could have turned into yeah. the right-hand DH. Yeah, you know, and look, we talked about, so I don't know if the Mets were ever going to do that because I think it meant Beatty was going to have to face lefties too because there really wouldn't have been an alternative. Like if Escobar is the right-handed DH, that means Beatty's playing third base or Guillerme is playing third base and to straighten up their defense. We've talked about it. I wasn't opposed to it. I'm just not sure the Mets were ever really considering that. No, and that's fair, but, uh, and you're right. So he, he Beatty, that's what we just said. Beatty had the hardest opportunity of all not hardest but Alvarez clearly had the biggest hill to climb but Beatty with that Escobar being there it was more, basically Vientos was had the best yeah. opportunity so, so let's get to him throat. that's where I'm pissed all right this is where when I got the news Saturday evening as the Nets were destroying the Miami Heat which was very nice to see um I was more pissed about Vientos I gotta tell you because when I saw in the way I had read it was Beatty goes to AAA, and then I read Vientos goes to AAA. So I had gotten the Beatty news, I'd say about 15 seconds before I read Vientos. And while I was frustrated with Beatty, I understood it. And that would be the word I would use. I was frustrated by Beatty going down to AAA, but I understood it. When I saw Vientos, I was disgusted. Because as we had talked about for the last month, Mark Vientos is Darren Ruff, a younger version of Darren Ruff, can't really play the outfield, so I guess you lose that, but a potentially better version than Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff is not getting much younger. He's in his late 30s now. 
Vientos, and we saw it in AAA, we didn't see it as much at the major league level, has the capabilities of being a masher of left-handed pitching at the major league level. Position-wise, is he great defensively? I would look at it the same way I look at Darren Ruff. It's not that big of a deal because you weren't going to see him play that much defense. I don't think you're going to see Darren Ruff that much in the outfield or at first base. So Vientos was direct line competition to Darren Ruff. He was the guy where you could say, okay, that's the younger, better version of Ruff. That, that, that's how I viewed it. And for him not to make this team and for the Mets to potentially going down the road of bringing Darren Ruff back after a crappy spring training and an awful final few months, if it happens, and there's still three avenues where it doesn't happen, which again, I'll get to, it would prove, Pete, something you said. I'll give you that. And that is, this is purely a justification move. That this is a justification to the trade that was made last July. We traded J.D. Davis. We traded three other minor leaguers. We can't give up on Darren Ruff this quick. And I'm sorry, you're a team trying to win a world championship. You've got an owner that's a billionaire who's spending a ton of money. You can't have roster spots based on trying to justify a trade. And if that's what they end up doing, I'm sorry. That's a huge mark on Billy Epler. Do I blame Steve Cohen? I don't know how involved Steve Cohen would be on these kinds of roster decisions. I know he's involved. I know he hears things, but this is the general manager. So instead of me trying to figure out what the owner's involved in, I'm going to leave it to the guy who's in charge of these decisions, which is the general manager. And it's just a laughable move by Billy Epler to have to pull this crap. I, I, it just, uh, it, it annoys me. So here's something really stupid because you would think that Billy Epler has all the money in the world, right? He's using Steve Cohen's money. There, there's no, right. he doesn't care about tax. He doesn't care about anything. There's no, it doesn't make a difference what level they're on. The Steve Cohen line, they're going past that. Is there still a possibility Billy Epler's playing under those rules of playing, like, you know, the, the, I could still get him under that minor league contract. I could still keep him keep him under like that that time. Uh, we can call him up after his uh, get the full year. No. It, it, there's none of that. I mean, no. maybe that's what they're waiting for. No, I don't buy that. Well, I, I I just don't. Now there there are ways that Major League Baseball change those rules to kind of reward teams, uh, allowing them to be up at the major league level. Like one of which is if you finish in the top two or three of rookie of the year voting you get that year of service time no matter what. So even if you wait until May 1st, if that kid has a huge rookie season like Brett Beatty, it's not going to matter. Plus, they tried to put different things in to kind of promote that. That's not a Met thing. I, that, I, I would rule it out completely. I think it's purely – I think it's two things. I think it's justification, which I just addressed. And the other thing is, and we hear this a lot, and I remember talking about this a lot with the Yankee bullpen last year when uh, Marinaccio was in the minor leagues. When a guy has options, you can put them at AAA and not lose them. If you decide to move on from Darren Ruff, you moved on from Darren Ruff. And as easily as I want to move on from him and you want to move on from him, they can keep him and also keep Vientos and Beatty. They go to AAA. They're not losing anybody. Uh, so I remember last year, late in the year, there was a, a point where the Yankee bullpen didn't make sense. And Marinaccio had pitched well and he was in AAA. And it was one of those games where – 
if we had sent down this other guy, he didn't have any options, we'd lose him. So let's keep as many guys as we can. It has nothing to do with money. I really don't think it does. And I, I don't think, I, I think Cohen has earned enough of a, he doesn't care about money reputation that they're not keeping Darren Ruff on this roster based on money. They're keeping Darren Ruff on this roster because Billy Epler probably wants to justify the dumbass trade that he made. Now, can I, can I give you my three avenues? Because it is not over yet. As much as you want to, you know, do your little touchdown dance and say, yes, I'm depressed, but I was right. Yeah, but first of all, let me just say something. This is not like, uh, oh, I nailed this. I'm so happy. I'm like, I'm probably more pissed than you are that I'm right. I don't want to be right. No, I know. So, I know. I know. So, I know that. <laughs> so, Trust but me. please, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how we can get through this, how we can make this happen. That Darren Ruff still doesn't make the roster opening day. Yes. And I, and I believe you. Cause I, I'm the same way that I don't want to be right about bad things. I was optimistic about Ruff not being on the team and I've already gotten the tweets. Oh, this is your fault. You schmuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all my fault. Well, okay. So we've got one, two, three, four and a half days, depending on when you're listening until opening day. We have a lot of time. Number one, the Mets trade him. And you may say nobody would want him. Look, they traded James McCann. If you pick up the man's contract, and there's a team out there that could use a right-handed hitting DH, and they're giving nothing up, and the Mets are paying for 85% of his salary, there could be a taker. And if you do that, then there are, there are various options on who takes that roster spot. We've talked about Vientos and Beatty. But the other guy, and I remember mentioning this right from the top. In fact, this was my official roster prediction when we made that over a month ago. It wasn't Vientos as much as it made sense. It wasn't Beatty. The guy I predicted who would make the roster over rough was Tim LaCastro. I, I, do, am I confident about that right now? I can't say that I am. LaCastro's had a great camp, no doubt about it. He gives him more versatility in the outfield. Because even though Darren Ruff could play the outfield, Castro plays it a lot better. He's got the great speed we had talked about throughout spring training, which can be a bigger weapon this season. It, it just it puts the Mets in a weird spot. If Castro made it, let's say they get rid of Ruff, and it was Castro who makes the team. And I think we'd be pretty happy about that. I know I would. I think most Mets fans would say, all right, it's a victory. It does lead to the question of, well, who's the right-handed DH? Is it Tommy Pham, who's had a horrible spring training? Is it... Eduardo Escobar, and then you spruce up your defense with Luis Guillerme playing third base against lefties? Probably not. Is it Tim LaCastro himself? Uh, it, or is it we use our DH day, the day we give Lindor off, the day we give uh, Marte off? We use that day when there's a lefty on the mat. I'm not sure you do that, especially when you look at the beginning of this season. They're facing a lefty game two and game three of the season. I'm not sure they're using their DH days right out the gate. So one of the guys who was a clear possibility to make this team, Tim LaCastro, is still hanging on, and he could make it, though I'm not confident about it. So number one is they trade Darren Ruff. Number two is they IL Darren Ruff, which has always been a possibility. He had a wrist issue, has a wrist issue. He hasn't hit much in camp. I know he's had a few extra base hits over the last week or so, so he's perked that batting average up to like 180 or whatever it is. But you can always use the wrist injury excuse that is always there as a possibility. So you've got the, what you don't buy that Pete. Yeah. How could you say that if he's batting six fifty, uh, you know, behind the scenes, Oh, geez, don't get, don't <laughs> get me started on that. <laughs> I was pissed when I first read it. 
I know he was joking, and I want to acknowledge that. I know Buck was joking, but sometimes it's not funny. You know, you, you can't get away with everything you say that's stupid by going with the, well, it was a joke. I was joking around. Yeah, I wasn't being serious. Dude, Darren Ruff sucks, Buck. And I remember I said that to him when we had him on late last year. It was kind of awkward. And he's like, you want me to go up to Darren and tell him that? I'm like, yeah. I'm not, fine, tell him he stinks. I'll tell him he stinks. What do you want me to tell you? He's not hitting. And then three hours later, he was placed on the injured list. <laughs> but I'm not denying, by the way, that Darren Ruff's awfulness with the New York Mets, I'm not denying that it could be related to an injury. Fine. Maybe it is. Then put him on the IL. I don't want to see him. No, that's fine. I'm not telling you he's not hurt. How the hell would we know? We're not in the locker room. The point is what we do know, Buck, is that he's been really, 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 really bad. And for you to tell us that he's hitting line drives on the backfields is not going to make anybody happy. It's not funny. It's not cute. Maybe Salah wish a happy buckmas, but I'm looking at this comment saying, dude, just shut up. It's tone deaf. I don't want to hear that. Now, this isn't me turning on Buck. This is me calling him out for a dumb comment. That's all it is. I still love Buck, but geez, oh, he's hitting 850 on the backfields. So option number two is you put him on the injured list. And then option number three is you DFA. Option number three is you just move on. Because those other two options, a trade, I don't want to say it saves face because it really doesn't. It was a bad trade. Now, and if Billy Epler gives him away and gets nothing back, a player to be named later, you can't rationalize, well, we salvaged this. Yeah, you traded J.D. Davis and three other minor leaguers, even if they aren't hardly regarded, for a player to be named later. But I don't care about justifying the trade. It was a bad trade. And by the way, that happens. I mean, you can make bad trades. They're allowed. I'm not firing you because of a bad trade. What I'm asking you to do is when you make a bad trade, don't double down on it. Move on from it. Like, I'll give Brian Cashman credit. He made a big trade at the deadline last year for Frankie Montas, and it was terrible, right? It was awful. You could even say it was Darren Ruffian in terms of Montas was bad, and then he got hurt. I guess, in a way, you almost prefer the guy to just get hurt because then he can't hurt you on the field. But whatever. Montas was terrible, right? He was supposed to be the Yankees' number two starter. That's how it was viewed when they made that trade. So he's awful. Offseason comes around, and what do the Yankees do? They sign a real number two starter. So wasn't that, in a way, the general manager saying, hey, I screwed up with the Montas trade. Let me go get somebody better. And he does, and Carlos Redon. Now, I know he's hurt. That's not the point of this. My point is, I think, this is the way I interpret it, Cashman admitted it was a bad trade. Let me go fix it. Billy Epler hasn't done that. It was a bad trade. It was a awful trade. And instead, they didn't add a right-handed DH, as we know. And you're going to have them make the team when you had internal options on your roster that are better? How the hell can you do that? But again, we've got days before opening day. We have the injured list possibility. We've got the trade his ass possibility, and we got the DFA possibility. Do you would you give that any of those three hat things happening greater than eleven percent right now, Pete? I, I would go uh, IL 
at greater than 11%. I would. I would I would go, if I had to pick an order, I would say IL, DFA, and then trade. I don't see anybody in the world trading. Unless you trade them to Japan, no one's trading for, for Darren Ruff. I'm sorry. James McCann got traded. Do we forget that? Do we forget it that quickly? Yeah, but he's going to actual, actually play for the Orioles. He's actually going to catch games. Darren Ruff, I mean, is he going to play for the A's? I mean, listen, unless the Phillies come calling because they need a first baseman, oh, oh. that's less than Hey, he was a Philly. Darren Ruff's a Philly. When I think of Darren Ruff, I think of as a Philly. By the way, if the Mets traded Darren Ruff to the Phillies for a bag of balls, after our initial thought of, yay, he's gone, we would instantly move into, oh, he's going to kill us. Oh, he's going to kill us. I can see it now. Sitting bombs off of a returning Jose Quintana in September. And he, you know, he makes us pay. But that's what we do as Med fans. And I have been, I think I've been mostly positive with this team, even throughout spring training where they've had injuries, even throughout the offseason where there was a, a chorus of Met fans. Certainly you were one of them demanding that they improve this offense. And part of my positivity was the kids. Part of my positivity was Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, never even mentioned Ronnie Mauricio, but the Mets have really solid position player prospects. They've got the best offensive catching prospect in baseball. They've got the best offensive third base prospect in baseball. Vientos, I think, can hit left-handed pitching if he ever gets the chance. And Mauricio is a pretty good prospect. The Mets have hitting prospects. And while the Met offense wasn't bad last year by any stretch, they failed in the biggest moments. That's really what the Met offense was. They didn't score in their biggest moments. But overall, was being a top five offense good? Yeah, it was good. Was it good enough? Yeah, they won 101 games. They didn't hit when it mattered. But I always thought the biggest improvement this offense would have would come internally. And as of right now, the New York Mets are going to start the season with zero internal additions offensively to this team. Instead, you're looking at Omar Narvaez, okay, and Tommy Pham. That's what you're looking at. That, those are the offensive additions that the Mets are going to bring in going into this season. And so as somebody that supported the lack of aggression for the most part for big bats because of the faith in the kids that are here, I am massively disappointed and pissed off that the general manager of this team didn't have the same faith. It doesn't mean these guys won't be here. They will. Spoiler alert. Brett Beatty's going to be here at some point this season. I think Mark Vientos is going to be here at some point this season. And by the way, I'm going to stop there because I can't say that about Alvarez and I can't say that about Mauricio. Now, when will these guys get here? I have no idea. Because here's my question for Billy Epler. And I would ask this point blank if he comes on before opening day. I'd ask Buck, too, even though Buck isn't making the decision. All right, so Darren Ruff has had a bad August and September. Darren Ruff has had a bad March. At what point is enough enough? If we're wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, I hope Pete's wrong, I hope Darren Ruff hits 480 against lefties in April, and we'll all eat crow and say, wow, I'm glad they kept him. But if that doesn't happen and he's hitting 157, at what point do you cut bait? And that's my biggest concern from this. If the sample size of August and September wasn't enough and the sample size of spring training, ah, it doesn't matter. He's a veteran. Wasn't enough. Okay. When's enough? 
And I can't answer. How the hell can I answer that? I'm already at enough. I would have said, let's go now. So what is it, Billy? What is it, Buck? What's the point? When's the point where you say, all right, he's not hitting. Let's cut our losses. Because I feel like it's inevitably going to happen. Again, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for Darren Ruff to be the lefty mashy he was for the San Francisco Giants two seasons ago. I just don't think it's going to happen. Whether it's his wrist or it's his age or it's the boogeyman known as New York. It ain't going to happen here. And that's my concern, Pete. Because I do think Beatty will be here at some point. I do think Vientos will be here at some point. But what's the answer to some point? Is it July? Is it the last weekend of the year, like Francisco Alvarez? Like, when the hell is it? Well, I said this, I think, on the last podcast. I, I have this weird feeling you're going to see about two months of rough. I feel like the first month he's going to struggle, but because of an injury or whatever, he's just going to hang around for another month or so. It can't be to the trade deadline. That's way too far. Like, we can't rely on this roster that we have and say, well, at the trade deadline, we'll make a move and we'll see from there. Because I don't trust his trade. I, I don't trust Billy Epler in his trade. I don't. Oh, for one. That, that, that's how I'd say it. He is 0 for 1 at the trade deadline. Doesn't mean he can't have a big trade deadline this year. I don't know. I don't know what the Mets' needs are going to be. I mean, that's kind of the weird thing as we sit here on the in the eaves or the days before opening day. We could try to predict the Mets' biggest need at the trade deadline, but who knows? Maybe it's going to be something we least expect. You know, maybe, maybe the bullpen's going to be awesome. The offense is going to be great. And one of the aces is going to be out for the season. And we're going to be begging for starting pitching. You just... Baseball's a weird game. You don't know. I wanted to make this pod mostly about Venus and Beatty, but a couple of quick thoughts to throw at you. Number one, Brandon Nimmo returned to the lineup during Saturday's spring training game against the Cardinals. And right out the gates, he didn't make a diving catch, but he made a diving attempt on a ball that fell in front of him. He also had to beat out. I forget. I don't know if it was an infield hit or he just ran out of ground ball, but he looked good. I mean, he looked healthy. So, I thought that was great just to see him out there. So we clearly got that one wrong, or at least I did, in terms of how severe that injury was going to be. Assuming there are no setbacks, he certainly looks online to play on opening day. But the Mets are going to be careful. They're going to be careful with him. They're going to be careful with Starling Marte. And considering their out, other outfield options as of right now are basically going to be Tommy Pham, Darren Ruff, and I guess moving McNeil to the outfield, which I'm a fan of. Uh, yeah, it's not great. The other thing was they signed Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy last year pitched for Minnesota and wasn't, he wasn't, I can't say he was good. That's not fair, but he wasn't awful. And I've seen Dylan Bundy pitch very awful at times throughout his major league career, mostly with the Orioles back in the day. But last year, to give Bundy credit, he had a 4.9 ERA. So you would say, well, that's awful, Evan. The reason I wouldn't say it is because he went out and threw 140 innings. He went out and made 29 starts. And in the prior year, he had an ERA above six. So, hey, <laughs> it's over a run better. He pitched very well in 2020. Weird season. So how much stock can you put in it? And then obviously he was with the Orioles and with Baltimore, he never lived up to the hype that he had, but he went out and made every start. Why that matters is because the Mets just added him. And Dylan Bundy hasn't pitched in the minor leagues in seven years. So he hasn't turned himself into like this perennial depth guy who's in the minor leagues. And they signed him to a minor league deal. And I think as of right now, that's where he'd go because he hasn't pitched much out of the bullpen in his career and they don't have a starting spot for him. 
Tyler McGill on Saturday night, his final spring start was not great. He walked a bunch of guys, but David Peterson's the guy. If they go six man, then it's Tyler McGill. And then you kind of throw Bundy in that mix with Luke Casey and Hernandez and uh, Budo, guys like that. So I got no issue with it. It's a depth move, but that's where Dylan Bundy is in his career because he hadn't been there yet. He was just a guy who was a failed prospect, started bouncing around the league between the Angels and Twins, but would find himself in a rotation, usually in the back end, and would just flat out be able to make starts every five, six days, which is some kind of quality, even if you're not great, even if you're pitching to a five ERA. So the Mets did add Dylan Bundy. Uh, He hasn't been anywhere, so it's going to be a while before we potentially see him, but he feels like a double header. He's going to start game two kind of guy, especially as the Mets work to try to keep their rotation healthy and give guys extra rest. And who knows, there may be another injury down the road. One weird thing that sort of concerns me about Senga is since he's had the finger issue, he hasn't thrown the fork uh, ghost ball. And he claims a little bit to do with the injury, a little bit to do with uh, just not throwing it, just deciding not to do it. But is it related to the finger? Is he going to, with these bigger baseballs in the United States, be able to throw that pitch consistently and have it not be a physical issue? That's the question. Anyhow, we've got a bunch more pods as we lead up to opening day. We're going to air our Mets versus Yankees bets podcast uh, that we did. That'll be airing Sunday night and Monday. We'll make our MLB predictions. We'll do our Mets specific predictions. And once this roster is settled, we'll do a podcast on the roster. And we'll probably even do a podcast right after the game on opening day. An instant reaction to the first game of the season. So that basically means you're going to get a Rico Bronia every single day. I don't know if that's a good thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe it's a fantastic thing. I don't freaking know. You can email us anytime, the RicoB at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Brown. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>